to another AIC NSW conveyancing conversation. The podcast series brings you the latest in case law, legislative updates and conveyancing practice from a select group of experts in the field. In this episode, Margaret Collier talks to Gemma Doley. Gemma is a registered psychologist with a master's degree in coaching psychology. She specializes in areas including well-being at work, health coaching and medico-legal assessment. Gemma has a passion for positive psychology and helping people to thrive and is the author of YouTube channel and blog, Pop Therapy. So, welcome Gemma. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me, Margaret. My pleasure. I thought we'd start off with definitions because uh, we hear the terms uh, mental health, mental well-being, mental illness. They're different, aren't they? Yeah. Look, I think many of us hear the term mental health and mistake that for meaning mental disorder. So it can be really useful to sometimes separate out mental disorder from mental health. Mental disorder might be having a condition where we feel unwell, such as depression or anxiety, Whereas our mental health is a state of well-being and striving for good mental health is really important. And it's more about just the absence of illness or the absence of a mental disorder. And I think sometimes when we talk about focusing on our mental health, many people think, oh, that doesn't apply to me because I don't have depression or I don't have anxiety. But mental health is one of the most important parts of our overall health. And sometimes understanding mental health is things like the way we set goals and how we enjoy life and our sleep and um, enjoying activities, enjoying social activities. When our mental health is going well, all of those things kind of go better and we feel good. Whereas we don't necessarily have to have a mental disorder to not be feeling great. You know, sometimes we're just kind of languishing and getting through life, you know, ticking off the days, waking up, um, getting through another day without really living life to its fullest. So mental health is really important because when we're mentally well and mentally healthy, we get more out of life. So I just thought that might be good little differentiation to start with. Yeah. So they've got an um, an equation basically with physical well-being and you might not be 100% well, you might have a headache, but um, you know, you're not sick in hospital, you know, dying. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a good way to think about it. You know, I think our mental health should be a focus just like our physical health. Uh, we don't have to be injured or unwell, like you said, to look after our physical health. We go to the gym or we might take a vitamin supplement or eat a, eat a healthy breakfast, that kind of thing. So taking proactive steps for our mental health is just as important. And that'll make all of the physical health stuff a lot easier as well. So really important link to understand. Now, at the time where we're recording this, um, we're in the midst of COVID-19 and Victoria is going through a terrible second wave and there's talk of us having a, well, we are at the beginnings of a second wave here potentially and talk of the possibility of a second lockdown. Uh, Why is it important to keep a focus on our mental health at the moment? Look, I think now more than ever, given that we're going through a pandemic and there's so much uncertainty, it's more important than ever to look after our mental health. I think we're under an unprecedented amount of stress and uncertainty. You know, some people have unfortunately lost their jobs. Others have had their hours cut back and can't find 
alternative work. Some of us are working from home. Many of us had to go through homeschooling. So there's been this massive change in our whole lives as a result of COVID, you know, even how we socialize and even being able to hug someone and connect with someone. So much has changed in our day-to-day life. And that means that many of us are worrying and feeling more stressed because of these things. So during stressful times, even though often we do the opposite, we may be do less or we maybe think, you know, I won't worry about this stuff because I've got so much on my mind. I think when we're under stress, it's a really good time to focus more on our mental health and to really look after ourselves. And, you know, I think starting with some of those basic things that you would do for your physical health, like making sure you're getting to bed on time, you know, you're getting enough sleep, going out and doing some exercise every day, looking after your body. They're really good places to start if you want to start to get your mental health back on track. And it's also going to help you to manage your stress because we know when our stress levels are higher, that then makes us feel worse and can have other detrimental effects as well. So are there any practical steps we can take to manage stress? Look, I think definitely those first three things I mentioned in terms of the physical stuff. So exercise, diet and sleep are so important. We know that when we get a good night's sleep, it makes a massive difference to our mood. You know, I don't know about you, but if I've only had five or six hours of sleep, I feel terrible. And what sleep does is it helps reduce one of our body's key stress hormones, which is cortisol. So when we're under stress, our bodies produce cortisol to help us mobilize our resources to deal with the threat. But when we're under prolonged stress, we can have too much cortisol, which can cause some negative effects and can even contribute to weight gain and things like that. Getting getting good night's sleep is a really good way to help reduce our cortisol levels and to help us feel better. Our mood is better when we've had a good night's sleep. So that's a really good place to start. And focusing on structuring your, your routine is really important. So if you're finding that you're up watching Tiger King on Netflix or whatever you're, you know, binge watching, set a, a time that you turn the TV off, give yourself some time to unwind before you get to bed, stick to a regular sleep and wake time. You know, those little things can be, you know, little places you can start. And even with your exercise, schedule it in like you would a, a meeting at work. You know, you pick the time that's going to fit best for you in your lifestyle. So if you hate getting up early, maybe you do a lunchtime walk instead, or you do a online yoga class at nighttime. But Picking the time that's going to feel easiest is a really good place to start there. Would hobbies take a spot in there? Oh, definitely. I like that. You know, I think engaging activities that are fun and enjoyable is so important. We know that when we experience positive emotion and we have fun, it helps us to manage our stress better. So studies have shown when we experience positive emotion, we actually bounce back from stress quicker and our body's stress response actually will decrease when we're doing positive and fun things. It can be really relaxing too. So I'd really encourage you if you're feeling stressed, you know, you might think it's the last time to do something fun. If you like playing a musical instrument, get that out. You know, if you like um, doing some mindful coloring or playing with a pet, you know, or a grandchild as well, uh, those sort of things bring us lots of joy. But picking something that you like um, a lot of people seem to be baking sourdough at the moment I don't know how they do that I certainly can't <laughs> bake sourdough <laughs> but pick something you like and do it now is a really good time to ramp up participation in fun and enjoyable activities but I think many of us get the, a bit of the, a case of the guilt when we do something that's just fun for fun's sake but think of it as an important part of managing your stress levels you know doing those sort of positive and fun activities is going to help you to bounce back quicker and to manage your stress better as well. That puts me in mind of basically compartmentalizing that, um, you know, knowing when to turn, when to 
leave work behind, you know, sort of turning off the computer at 5pm or whatever your work hours are and shutting the door on the office and sort of saying, okay, that's that then, this is this now. The other thing was that you mentioned mindful colouring and it made me think that I've read a few people that are highly recommending meditation of some kind or Mm. mindfulness. Um, Is that actually proving to have a beneficial effect? Mindfulness can be a fantastic strategy for reducing stress levels. It's something that anyone can practice, but it can be quite tough. If you're looking for somewhere to get started, what you could do is even download a mindfulness app. So there's some great, a really great free app is called Smiling Mind. That's a really good one. It's made here in Australia and it's used um, used quite widely now. And there's programs for kids and adults. That's a really good place to sort of get an introduction to mindfulness. Because some people will say, oh, I sat there and I tried to meditate for half an hour and I couldn't clear my mind. And look, that's okay. I don't think I could just sit sit on a cushion and meditate for half an hour either. If you're just trying to learn where to start, those structured apps can be a great place to begin because it's talking you through what to do and helping you to get a taste for it. And you might find that with some of those short structured mindfulness meditations that you get on an app, that you might just spend five minutes doing some meditation and that might be doable. Whereas if you try and start with half an hour of sitting still and clearing your mind, we get bored, our our minds wander. But if you can do that, Great. But I think, you know, make sure you start with a realistic goal and break it down. So those sort of apps can be a really good place to start. And otherwise, if you're struggling with that still, if that's difficult, another good way to practice mindfulness is just finding activities where you get really absorbed. So some people, you know, they do really struggle with meditation. So again, it might be doing your mindful coloring because something like that is an activity where once you get engaged and absorbed, you might find that you're losing track of time and you're lost in the moment. And before you know it, an hour has passed and you've produced something really fantastic. And that experience, which we call flow, is also a really great way to help us relax and uh, give us those feelings of well-being. So, yeah, it might not be formal mindfulness. It might be finding an activity that you get really absorbed in, like playing an instrument or doing your mindful coloring. You know, it could be also going for a mindful walk. So that could be going outside and just using all your senses. So especially on a nice day, not like today's rainy day in Sydney, on a nice day, go outside, look around you, notice the trees, the blue sky the sound of the leaves rustling in the wind feel your feet on the pavement as you're walking really use your senses to stay focused on that walk and that can be a really great way to practice mindfulness as well it would probably also have the benefit that it acts as a circuit breaker so that all the things that are going around in your brain round and round and round takes your mind away from them also um, does positive thinking have a have a place in this to oh. consciously rethink things? Yeah, I think that's a really good um, really good point because often people ask me that question, you know, do I need to think positively? And I think that's a tricky one. I think positive emotion and positive thoughts are a really good thing. So we know when we experience positive emotion, we think in these really creative and expansive ways. I don't know about you, but you know those days where you're really stuck on a problem and you feel like you just can't see the answer and your focus narrows and you're sitting at your desk and you just cannot see a way out. Have you ever had that scenario? Mm -hmm. And often as our frustration increases, we find it harder and harder to come up with the answer that we need. 
but then you take a break you call a friend have a chat or go for a walk or something like that and you come back and before you know it you have a solution and what that is is that it comes from a theory called the broaden and build theory by a psychologist named Barbara Fredrickson and that theory has shown that when we experience positive emotion we think in more creative and expansive ways so doing something fun like we talked about gets you in that positive mood and it's going to help you to actually see your problems in a more um, you know know, from a broader perspective we could say but is positive thinking the answer Um, I the advice I usually give there is rather than just using positive thinking so let's say it's a pandemic now if I told you oh don't worry you know it's just a pandemic we'll all be fine (laughs) would you believe that (laughs) you might not believe that and that's okay I try and encourage balanced thinking more than positive thinking. And balanced thinking might acknowledge that it's really scary that we're in a pandemic, but there are things we can do to control our stress levels and to help us get through it. So the balanced thinking is not just having this Pollyanna-ish view that everything's great, it's going to be a wonderful day, woohoo. It's more of that sort of, well, yeah, I feel kind of stressed about this, but I know there's ways I can cope. So it's helping to meet somewhere in the middle. And it generally is easier for us to digest than just um, you know being told to think positively. So balanced thinking is my, my tip there. For those of us that are working from home and are no longer in their structured work environment, I have to say my own experience is that I have from time to time trouble staying focused unless I've got a particular issue that pulls me in. That can in itself create issues in that it's tempting to walk around the house and be very unfocused and actually not achieve half the things that I was hoping to achieve. Are there (laughs) any tips there? You're not alone there, Margaret. It is really challenging working from home. And I think many people are reporting that same kind of feeling of maybe having trouble getting started or getting focused or you start doing some work, then all of a sudden you're folding a basket of laundry and making a snack or having your fourth cup of coffee. It can be really hard to sometimes get in that zone that we get into with work. So a few tips I have for working from home. One is trying to create a clear delineation between work and home. And that's really hard when you're doing it all in the same space. But that might be having a clear structure around when you're working and when you're not. And that might be during the work time that you set that you don't do any housework. But if you want to do housework on your lunch break as a distraction, great. It could be other things like when you finish work that you don't return back to the computer and check the emails again. Look, other little things might even be having a separate space. And this can be really challenging, especially for those of us who live in maybe smaller apartments. As much as you can, try and make a clear space that's a bit of a work zone. So even if you set up a tiny little work corner, but you want your, your work zone not to be too crossed over with your relaxation zone. So if you think about your living room, what does sitting on the couch mean to you? Uh, either listening to a podcast, watching TV, uh, Netflix, whatever. It's it's chill out time. Chill out time, exactly. So then if you bring your laptop into the chill out zone, all of a sudden you've got this kind of mixed signal around what that zone, which was previously just used for chilling out and relaxation, what that actually is now. So having a really clear space that's just for work can be a good way to create that mental association between that space and work. Because right now at home, many of us don't, although unless you've been working from home before, but many of us don't have an association between our homes and work. So certain cues in our environment 
are associated with other things. So the kitchen's associated with eating, the lounge is associated with chilling out, the bedroom's associated with resting. And now we bring a laptop in and expect that we're going to be productive in those same environments. So this is where if you can, if you've got a space, you know, even if it's the other end of the dining table, if that's all you've got, where you don't usually sit for dinner. If you do have a little desk or somewhere you can set up even better, somewhere that maybe you can close off a curtain or a door even better but it's okay if you don't have that it's just kind of creating a small zone or area where you keep as your work zone because that helps us mentally to feel more in the zone and it helps us to kind of build this habit when I'm in this area I'm here to work when I leave this area I'm now relaxing. Now that's on a physical level I know myself that Sometimes it's you think of something and it may be seven o'clock at night. And even though I've left the office, the room that I call office um, behind and I've closed the door, it's, oh, it'll only take me a minute to send that email. Mm, It's tempting, isn't it? (laughs) It's so tempting. And it is a slippery slope. You know, I think many of us fall into that trap of gradually crossing the boundaries of maybe doing more and more of those quick one or two minute work tasks. But often those things accumulate we might just have one email to write back to or often I I read one email then I realize oh there's that other email I didn't reply to and oh there's that thing I didn't send so setting a boundary is really important what you could do if you're getting that real urge to act on something right now keep a little to-do list or notepad handy and you might just write that on your list and then put that on your keyboard so in the morning you've got a really clear list of the tasks that you need to do and I think it is tough many of us you know, find it convenient to do a bit of extra work out of hours. But again, at the moment with that idea of managing our stress and and setting a few boundaries between work and home life, this is a really important skill to be able to do in actually setting a boundary every now and then and, and not replying to the email as tempting as it might be. Yeah. Well, I noticed for myself at the very beginning of the first lockdown was that I was fine for the first week. And then once we started getting towards the end of the second week, because we were in proper lockdown and I live alone, I was really starting to feel the isolation, even though my job is to talk to people on the phone all the time and to be emailing backwards and forwards. And um, I have to say that I found video calls with my family made a huge difference. But at the same time, somebody else said to me, it doesn't replace actually physically having somebody in the room with you. Are there any tips for dealing with isolation? I think that's a really good point. You know, I think many of us are feeling quite isolated, especially, let's say, for example, people who have always worked in an office as part of a team who are now working solely from home, or even a lot of the, there might be people who are studying as well, and they're used to going to courses. And even with AIC, I know you guys have the networking events. That's really, it's a really social and collegiate kind of atmosphere. And not having those things face-to-face anymore is, is hard to stay connected. I like the idea of the Zoom calls with family. I think that's a really good thing. We, sometimes we have to be a little bit creative because obviously restrictions have been changing a lot. And, you know, depending what we can and can't do, things have been ambiguous. But that might be scheduling. If you've got a colleague or someone from your team who lives in the same area, do you schedule to meet them for a social distance walk together on your lunch break, potentially? Do you find ways that you can still connect 
where maybe you don't have the proximity that you would normally have and really prioritizing those catch-ups whether it's virtual or not is really important so you know actively scheduling in catch-ups like you would on a normal week where you might book in a lunch or an after work drink planning those things ahead is a good way to reduce the risk of realizing that we haven't seen anyone all week and feeling really isolated so I can't emphasize how important it is to plan ahead to make sure that you're getting on top of those things so that you don't get left feeling isolated. Okay, so a lot of what we've been talking about is about prevention, but um, what are some of the warning signs that might indicate it's time to make some improvements in our mental health? I think that's a really good thing to look out for. If you're noticing that there's, there's changes that are impacting how you feel, that's a really good time to reach out for help. And warning signs could be little things like having trouble getting to sleep or maybe waking up frequently during the night. So let's say if normally you're a really good sleeper and all of a sudden you find that you're only getting a few hours sleep or you're struggling to get to sleep, that might be a really good sign that it's time to, to get a little bit of help. Any changes to things like your appetite, you know, say you don't feel like eating or potentially you're feeling tired all the time. Again, they may, might be things that you chat about with your doctor as well. Or if you notice that maybe you're withdrawing from your friends or not feeling interested in the things that you normally like. So let's say you love getting up and doing some exercise and all of a sudden that feels like a bit of a, a chore. Again, that might be something that's that's a bit of a warning sign. And it could be emotional feelings as well. You know, if you're worrying a lot and you're finding it really hard to switch off from that worry. Remember that worry can be a very normal thing that happens to all of us humans. But if you're finding that you're worrying so much that you just can't switch off or disconnect, that's a really good time to, to seek help as well. Or any dramatic changes in your mood. You know, if you're feeling sad or, or lonely and you're, again, having trouble switching off from those feelings – Whilst they're very normal feelings that will come and go, if you're finding that your mood's changing and you're really having trouble feeling positive emotions as well, that's a really good time to maybe reach out for a bit of help as well. Right. Um, I thought we'd wind up with tips perhaps for employers who have got to look after not just only themselves but also their team. Any thoughts or suggestions there? Yeah, look, I think that's a really good point. Making sure that you're checking in regularly with your team is really important. So if you're in a leadership role and you've got some staff members working under you, it might be scheduling a group catch up to making sure to make sure everyone's feeling connected. And it, it's also really important to have those one-on-one catch-ups as well. So that if someone's struggling, you can check in with them. They might feel more open to talking about something that's going on in a one-on-one setting as well. Also having access to resources for support as well. So depending on what your organization offers, making sure that you're utilizing services like EAP as well. The AIC Care Line as well is a great service for anyone um, who's linked in with AIC, making sure that you're calling the Care Line to access support. You can talk to a psychologist or counselor and get a bit of assistance there. So that's a really good resource for employers to pass down to their staff members as well. Or if employer is struggling to know how to support their staff or if they're having trouble themselves, maybe feeling overwhelmed by everything that's going on, that could be a really good step to take as well. Right. Uh, the organisations like Black Dog, oh, what's the other one, Blue? Oh, Beyond Blue. Beyond yeah. Blue, yes. Um, are they people that you can contact for sort of like this minor level or are they more for people that have got full-blown... Look, you can definitely access some fantastic free resources on websites like the Black Dog Institute and Beyond Blue. They have lots of fact sheets about mental health as well and tips for managing stress. So they're really great places to start. 
And if you ever feel that you need telephone counseling that's free and confidential, there is Lifeline as well. Right. And that can be, that's 13 11 14. And Lifeline's a great service if you ever just need to talk. They're 24 7. So if it's 3 a.m. in the morning and you can't wake anyone up or there's no one with you, it's a really yeah. good time to, to call as well. And if you're really struggling, a really good first place to start is with your GP. So making sure that you go in, see your GP, let them know how you're feeling. And if they think it's appropriate, they can help you with a referral to a psychologist under a mental health care plan. So under Medicare, we're all eligible here in Australia for up to 10 sessions of of Medicare rebated sessions with a psychologist as well. So keep that in mind. Start with your GP. They're the best point of call to get some general advice and to help you make that referral if needed as well. Great. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time, Jenna. No worries. Thanks, Margaret. It's been great chatting. Great. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this AIC NSW Conveyancing Conversation. Many thanks to Gemma Doley. Thanks, too, to Grant Bailey of Deposit Power for providing the venue. Your responses, ideas and suggestions can be sent to events at AICNSW.com.au. This podcast is a production of Pulley & Co. I'm Julian Pulvermacher, and I look forward to your company next time. This podcast is a guide only. Nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal, medical or mental health advice and should not be taken as such. Should you require any further information or assistance, you should consult an appropriate health practitioner or call the AICNSW Care Line on 1300 096 274. Further details can be found under counselling services in the members area of the AICNSW website.